Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. I am so excited that you're here with us for another episode of Homecoming. And today's episode, we're talking about healing childhood trauma those wounds that happened early in life that continue to affect us today, and looking at ways that we can come home to ourselves to heal, to recover, to restore. But before we get into today's topic, I'm so glad that you all have been emailing me your homework assignments, your progress at homecomingpodcast at gmail.com. And we received a great email from Simone, who is my namesake, because my middle name is Simone, and I was excited to get uh, your vow, Simone, and your uh, agreement with me being able to share your work and your name. So this is what Simone shared for the episode, I think it's episode two, where we were to write vows to ourselves, commitment to ourselves. I am always in your corner. I'm sorry if I wavered, but let's not dwell. I am always in your corner. I am your thighs that walk uphill for miles. I am your eyes that see the tree speckled from the sun while you run. I am your heart pouring blood to your brain, pumping blood to your brain. I am the small cramp you feel in your stomach, a quiet moment with you in the rain while we look out at the city. I am the sweat underneath your breasts and everywhere else. I am the gentle kiss of my full lips. I am the smoke that I blow into fire. I am the water that cools us down. Never be ashamed of me. Together the world is less crowded. Waking up with you today, I felt the gray in the clouds and rain. And then I came back up for air and saw you in my corner. You never left. I just haven't seen you. Beautiful, Simone. Thank you so much for that. And when we talk about coming home to ourselves, isn't that the key? That we have been there all along but with distraction and discouragement, with trauma and with drama, that we have lost sight of ourselves. But the beautiful part about a homecoming is the recognition that in actuality we have been there, sometimes disconnected, sometimes overwhelmed, sometimes distracted, but present nonetheless. And so thank you for that. That was absolutely beautiful. So several of you requested this topic of dealing with childhood wounds and child trauma. And so I am happy to share with you a number of important considerations for those who experience trauma, abuse, neglect early on in life. And your child trauma may have been physical abuse. 
It may have been sexual abuse, molestation. It may have been psychological or verbal abuse. It may have been neglect. We also may have experienced the trauma of oppression, early encounters with racism, with sexism, with able-bodyism, being mindful of the ways in which trauma shows up even in lives very young, that it does not wait until we are 18 or 21 to disrupt us, that some of us listening may have been derailed early by medical trauma, having major medical issues, having surgeries, or having those same experiences happen to a loved one. Some of us may have been exposed to community violence or to war. Some listening may have been exposed to human trafficking. And some who are listening may have experienced traumatic grief and loss, the trauma of death that visits early, or the trauma of incarceration, the trauma of abandonment. And so all of those different experiences affected us. And what I like to say to clients is the trauma affects us, but it doesn't define us, which means it had an impact, but it is not the totality of my identity. But it can overwhelm me to the point where it's hard for me to catch a glimpse of me. It's hard for me to hold on to me. It's hard for me to be present with myself. And even in Simone's poem, sharing about our physical bodies, that those who are listening who experience early sexual trauma or physical trauma may feel a real disconnection about the body, a betrayal by the body, a sense of shame about the body. But coming home to myself is reclaiming all all of me, right? Reclaiming the parts of me that have been unnurtured, the parts of me uh, that are looking to be parented, that are looking to be nourished, that are looking to be cared for, and perhaps the disappointment early of not having that in the ways that would have kept you safe or comforted or affirmed have left many of us spiraling, looking for a home base or a foundation in other people or in substances, but needing truly at the core to come home to ourselves. So to recognize the ways in which uh, child trauma shows up for you, this is an important element before we can even get to healing. So you may know the event occurred and you may know in some ways that you have not really worked through it, but some of us have not made the connections to be aware how has the trauma left an imprint on my life, on my psyche, on my relationships. The first step in healing child trauma, one is to acknowledge it happened. And that in and of itself is huge for many of us because many are still in some type of connection or relationship with the offender. If it was someone in your family um, and that person is still a presence in your life, it can be very difficult to come to terms with the things that should not have happened. We receive a lot of pressure culturally from our families or religiously to pretend that things didn't happen 
to pretend that they did not have an impact, to pretend we are over it. And it is for the comfort of perpetrators, abusers, manipulators, for us to put on those masks. But for us to heal, we have to acknowledge that it happened, that it should not have happened, and that it did indeed have an impact and for many of us, a lasting impact. So in the research, there is something called um, ACEs, the ACEs research studies, and ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And the more ACEs you have, the higher your score in ACEs, the greater number of childhood traumas, the larger the impact we see, and we see it holistically mind, body, spirit, health, relationship, finance, even into adulthood. And so it does not end at the moment of the hit or the punch or the penetration or the grab or the words. It does not end in that moment. It sticks with us. And so I wonder even as you're listening today, if you can acknowledge within yourself the things that you were exposed to, the things that happened to you before the age of 18 that should not have happened. And for some of you who are listening, those things which occurred are actually crimes. So whether it rises to the level of a criminal act or not, these traumas, these violations have an impact. And so in order for me to start to heal, I have to first acknowledge that there was a boundary crossing, that there was a violation, that there was abuse. Once I acknowledge that it did happen, I have to then take inventory to assess within myself, how did it affect me? How did it affect me in the immediate aftermath? And what are the effects that I see even today? What are the ways that it shows up uh, in my life so I can distinguish my identity from the traumatic effects? Because since the trauma happened when you were still a child, oftentimes we associate the effects with our identity. And if I think it is my identity, then I don't realize that I need to heal, recover, acknowledge, be restored. So looking at yourself, did it affect you emotionally? Did you experience depression? Did you have suicidal thoughts? Do you have suicidal thoughts? Did it affect you in terms of anger or rage? And what did you do with that anger or rage? Who did you direct it at or what did you direct it at? Usually a safer outlet is we turn the anger on ourselves or on people who have less power than us. What did we do with our anger? It can also create anxiety, post-traumatic stress, irritability, or numbness. Some who are listening don't feel anything. And some people will see that and call it a strength and say, oh, you're so strong. You're never moved by anything or you're not easily overwhelmed. But that's not always from a place of strength. For some of us, that is a place of survival. 
And so seeing how did it affect my emotional life? Was it safe to feel? And was it safe to express what I felt? And how does that show up for me today? Am I able to acknowledge within myself my feelings and what is the response that I expect from other people? It can also affect our focus and concentration where we're often distracted. And so some who struggled in school, it was not about ability. It was about traumatic response. Some who have difficulty taking directions from people in authority, so that has gotten you into trouble at job after job or gotten you in trouble in school because just the idea of someone having authority or power is disruptive for you and so you react strongly against it. And uh, we can call it just doing our own thing. I like to do my own thing. But what happens when that ends up sabotaging uh, my future, my success, my career, my possibility? It can affect us socially in terms of having difficulty trusting people. And so some, when you look at your friendships, they are very surface or non-existent. Uh, People can know you for years and not really know you because you don't feel comfortable with vulnerability, don't feel comfortable really showing up and sharing yourself. Not only that, it can cause us to cling. When we feel empty on the inside, it can make us constantly need validation from other people, chatter, attention from other people because the emptiness is so loud The emptiness can be so overwhelming. And so how did the early trauma affect your relationship choices? Who are the people that you have found yourself drawn to, attracted to, and how do you treat the people you care about? You see, it really does a mind game on us, a mind trick on us, when the people who were supposed to love you and care about you harmed you then how do you digest that and make sense of that in your adult relationships? And can you ever feel secure in a relationship? Or do you respond with confusion, with threats, with constantly questioning? Because no matter what a person says, it never feels stable enough. So it can affect our our thoughts, our concentration, our feelings, our relationships. For those who experience sexual trauma, we discussed on an earlier episode about sexuality, how we can affect the way we show up in that intimate space. And so where is your comfort level with pleasure? Where is your comfort level with hygiene? Where is your comfort level with food? Where is your comfort level or lack of comfort with your own physical being, right? And that was another important piece with Simone's poem, talking about our own kiss in our lips, right? Talking about our thighs or breast or sweat, naming the physicality of our being because some people hide in their minds because you feel like if I outthink it I can control it and some of us hide in spirituality 
so we can talk all day and deal with spirit but can't deal with flesh and so how how did those early experiences affect you another way it can show up is around control issues some of us don't like to be out of control and so you pick situations that are really beneath your capacity because you can control it not too much surprising is going to happen it's easy to stay three steps ahead if i pick friendships where i can dominate and control Um, when i pick dating partners that i can dominate and that i can control Uh, when i pick jobs where um, it is a cakewalk for me. I never want to be out of my comfort zone. I never want to stretch. Even those control issues can show up around intimacy, around pleasure, about around your capacity to let go. Do you ever feel that you can let go or you have to micromanage everything? You have to control everybody. And so that can be an outgrowth, a part of the impact of our childhood trauma. For some, it can even disrupt our spirituality because many times people end up with questions that don't have easy answers about why is there suffering? You know, why was I not protected? Why did this happen to me? Where was God in all of this, right? And so unfortunately, in a lot of spiritual circles, there is not space for questions or for doubt or even for anger and frustration. And that can make some people disconnect, right? Well, then this must not be for me. So I'm going to step away from that aspect of myself. So how... Did those early childhood traumas affect your ideas around faith, your ideas about connection, your ideas about humanity, even your ideas about healing and possibility? So we are affected in various ways. And so I have to identify them so that I can begin to work on my healing. As you acknowledge the impact of the trauma, An important part of our healing is establishing safety. It is very hard to heal if I am still compromised. It is very hard to work through childhood trauma if I'm currently in an abusive relationship, right? It's not going to be safe for me to work through my trust issues when I'm in a dangerous situation. If I am on a job where I'm currently being sexually harassed, it's going to be very difficult for me to work through my issues as it relates to molestation because I am still being violated on some levels. So I want you, I invite you to assess for yourself, is it safe? As safe as it can be, right? We know things happen. So we can never say, oh, 100% guaranteed, nothing bad is going to happen today, right? We can't say that. But I would say asking yourself, is it safe enough for me to breathe? Is it safe enough for me to feel I am not currently on a battlefield? Is it safe enough for me to let down my armor enough to tell myself the truth? 
Is it safe enough for that? And if it is not, is there anything that I can do about my lack of safety? Is there any control that I have over my environment or the things that are intensifying my risk, right? And so for some of us, that may be, am I able to escape this relationship? For some of us, it may be, do I have any other options about who I'm living with, right? And so really examining safety first. And then as we go through safety, it really also is about self-care, beginning to nourish myself. And as I nourish myself, as I love me, and we've had two episodes, one on self-care and one on moving from insecurity to self-love. So if you have not heard those, I encourage you to go back. But as I begin to care for, nourish, and love myself, it starts to shift and heal the wounds of those who treated me like I did not matter. Those experiences of abuse and trauma and violation give us a clear message that we are not worthy of care. And so when I resist that, when I reject that and begin to do things to care for myself, to reparent myself, to protect myself, that begins to interrupt the cycle and begins to erase the impact of the trauma because I don't want to continue to live like what I have been through. I would like my care of myself, my treatment of myself to not reflect my lowest moments, but to be for my highest good. So we have safety and self-care, and then we have the realities of healing the shame. Often these violations, instead of the shame being on the offender or the abuser, the shame actually gets put on the child, and we can carry that in our bones. We carry it in our hearts. We carry it in our minds. We carry it in our spirits, feeling ashamed of who we are. And when I am living from a place of shame, it is a setup for a life of further violation and re-victimization. And so needing to shed and shake off the shame so that I can move away from being embarrassed by myself, disgusted with myself because those perceptions and feelings toward me compromise me and cause me to stay in circumstances and even be drawn to circumstances that minimize my worth and my value. So we begin to work through the shame and the self-blame What are the things that happened before the age of 18 that you have held yourself responsible for that are not your fault? I want you to really think about that. In our child's mind, we often hold ourselves to very adult-like standards of all the things we should have done at 7, at 12, 
at 15, even at 17. We expect our 17-year-old self to know what our 32-year-old self knows, and that's just not fair. That's just not fair. So I invite you to look back at yourself with grace, to look back at yourself with compassion, and most of all, to look back at yourself from reality to see the child you were instead of the adult that you are and to make a decision to take those bricks off your own back. The ways in which we have uh, blamed ourselves, condemned ourselves, judged ourselves for being children, for not knowing, for not seeing, for not preventing people from doing things they should not have done to begin with. And so on today, as we work toward healing those childhood wounds, I want to invite you to put the responsibility where it lies, and that is not in the lap of a child. And so taking that weight off of your shoulders, the ways that we punish ourselves for things that are not our fault. And so, We work through the shame and the self-blame, and we also have to work on our trust issues. It is very challenging. Another one of you emailed me this week, and you were talking about how hard it is to heal trauma, even in therapy, when you're an isolated person. And while a part of our healing is internal, when I responded to that email, it was also to say a part of our healing does happen in community, does happen in connection, does happen in relationship. And actually one of the biggest predictors of the success of therapy is the therapeutic relationship. When you feel a connection with your therapist, when you feel seen by them, heard by them, understood by them, more than any particular strategy or technique they might use, the relationship is healing. And so as long as we are in a place of distrust of others, it is very challenging. It's very difficult to heal because we are an island and we're saying, I'm working through it, but I still don't want anybody over here. I'm working through it, but... I really can't let anybody see me. I can't let anybody know me. I can't take the risk of taking off this mask and this cape. And I invite those of you who want to heal the childhood wounds to think of one step, one step that you can take in the area of trust. One thing that you normally wouldn't share that you can share with somebody one way that you can deepen intimacy in your relationships, one way that you can increase your willingness to be vulnerable, to be open, to really be present, one way that you can live more authentically as it relates to other people, one way that you can be a truth teller, and not have to worry about presentation. 
as I take the risk of trusting others, it also means taking the risk of trusting myself. Sometimes we do not trust ourselves because of the difficulties we have gone through that we were not able to stop or prevent. But I want you to really consider that healing and restoration from those childhood wounds will require growing in trust of yourself. And knowing trusting myself does not require perfectionism. I may not see it all coming. I might not get it all right. But foundationally, at my core, I'm going to trust what I see. I'm going to trust what I feel. I'm going to trust what I know. I'm going to trust myself to work through it, to grow, to unfold, to manifest, to have goodness within me. And so we begin with this homework assignment of taking a step toward trust. And as I trust myself and as I start trying to trust others, I shatter the shame of the childhood trauma and I emerge as an adult who is worthy of love, of goodness, of exhaling, of breath. As I learn to trust myself and others, knowing they're not going to be perfect and I'm not going to be perfect. But I also trust myself to figure out when that doesn't work, that there will be another step. That out of this midnight experience, I can outlast midnight and experience a new day. That not every chapter is going to be perfect, but I trust myself, the spirit in me, to outlast the moment to outlast the storm. I want to tell you on today, I'm so glad you made it. I'm so glad you survived all of that physically. And now it is my desire that you would survive it emotionally and even get to a place of thriving, of living, of manifesting. So after every childhood wound, that you survived, I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home. 